your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Welcome to Your Positive Imprint, where every imprint means something to someone. Well, today's guest is Ray Orhowski. He is from Pennsylvania, United States. He owns a construction company. Well, his construction company has built several of the habitats at the Philadelphia Zoo. Now, I know that that zoos are somewhat controversial for some people, and I so understand that. Well, Ray comes from a completely different perspective. He comes from the side of the construction of these habitats, something that I never, ever have thought about. I've never thought about the people who build these habitats until I met Ray. And I met Ray at a Christmas party, and I heard him talking about his positive imprint. He was talking about how he really was happy to have had this opportunity to build habitats for these animals, and he loves animals, and if they're going to have to live their life in a zoo, then he wanted to make sure that the habitat that his company was building for them was going to be a home, a lifelong home, that was comfortable and secure for everybody. The animal to feel secure, but also the veterinarian, the zookeeper, and of course the visitors. So his perspective is very interesting, and I want to share his story with you. He's Ray Orhowski. All right. Hello, this is Catherine with Your Positive Imprint, and as you know, I like to carry my equipment with me, and I am so glad I did. I am here at a Christmas party, and I was chit-chatting, and with this gentleman here who has an amazing story to tell. So, Ray. That's correct. That is correct. So, Ray, you are from Philadelphia. Yes, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay, so I don't want to get to what you're doing yet. Okay. I first want to just get a little bit of background of, you know, why you start getting into what you did or what you are doing now. Well, actually, it's, it is an interesting story. The, the job kind of came to me. Um, I was actually a math and economics major, and I worked for an insurance company for a very short while. I really didn't like it, and um, I, I, um, I actually met a girl, and uh, we started dating. And it Would that be the one that's that sitting would across be the, the one way that's from the table? table. <laughs> and we started dating, and um, uh, her father owned a construction company, and I knew nothing about construction, and. Um, he knew that I was uh, not happy in my current employment company, and he said, would you be interested in learning construction? But that's actually how I got involved with construction. Um, my future wife's father owned a construction company, uh, had just started it back in 81, and it was 1988, and he was looking for an estimator and uh, so asked what, me if I was what, interested. Tell me what an estimator is. Well, construction companies... Um, uh, normally are divided into three um, parts. One is an estimator, two is project management, and three is accounting and bookkeeping. So an estimator takes a set of blueprints and specifications that they receive from an owner who says, I want to build a building. An estimator's responsibility is to put a price tag, basically, on that 
building. And in order to do that, he has to break down every component of the building, uh, from the concrete to the excavation to the doors, frames, hardware, drywall, structural, architectural, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, breaks it all down. Some of the work a contractor will self-perform, other works they have to subcontract and get prices. So that's actually how I learned the business. I was hired as an estimator not knowing anything about construction. And well, you knew something about economics. <laughs> well, that's true, but as far as how things went together uh, from a construction standpoint, I really had no idea. So how did you learn it? Was it self-taught? Um, well, self-taught and really my father-in-law, uh, who had been in the business for 30 years. Uh, he had started as an apprentice working with the tools as a carpenter. So he knew the way things went together because he was actually on the job sites putting things together. Me, I just had to learn kind of by looking at Prince and listening to him and he kind of explained how things went together. So it was kind of hard because, you know, you don't know how long it takes to swing a door uh, in a new frame. But, you know, the company had units, my father-in-law knew, so that's the way you learn to estimate. So I did that for a while and um, long story short, um, still good? Mm -hmm. Long story short, I um, estimated for probably about five or six years. I guess my father-in-law was uh, pleased with the way I was progressing and uh, at that point he needed someone in the field to do project management. Um, so he asked me if I'd be interested in doing project management. So was this like a promotion or just another type of position? Well, well I like to say, ixnay on the squeaky. So I like to say that the reason I got Say that again? Ixnay on the squeaky? It's huh? Piglon. Piglon. Oh, okay. Oh, because no. you're talking to the dog over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a dog here at the party. Okay. So anyway, long story short, I like to say about uh, getting into project management, I drew the short straw. Because project management, uh, really anywhere, but especially in a construction company, is about problem solving. So I see. when you look at what a project manager does, he has to organize... Um, all of the workflow, all of the manpower, all of the subcontractors, keep the owner happy, keep the architect happy, and make sure the job is built in accordance with the drawings and the specifications. So the bottom line is um, you need to be a problem solver because you're dealing not only with problems on the job site, material not showing up when it should be, um, manpower you know, not doing what they should be doing as quickly as they should be doing it, um, all that kind of comes along and it's um, very difficult to control because you have no control over it. So uh, bottom line is um, project management is very, very difficult um, because you can't control it. And is that what you're still doing now is project management? Yeah, I'm actually um, part owner of the company. Uh, there's three of us that own the company. My father-in-law actually stepped away in 1999. So uh, it's kind of been a I call it the three-headed monster running the company, and uh, we all get along most of the time, uh, but this is actually my 31st year uh, wow. at the same company, sitting in the same office, same four walls. Okay, well that's, I like what you call yourself with the three-headed monster, that's... Yeah, so I'm, I'm technically the president, but actually I'm a working president. I, uh, <coughs> I do still run probably 50% of the company's work. Uh, we have another project manager, a couple other estimators, 
assistant project manager and an accounting uh, CPA that actually does all the bookkeeping, all the statements, and uh, support staff with the accounting. Yeah, and you're kept quite busy with different projects. I heard you earlier talking about hospitals and so on. They yes. build hospitals. But what got my interest was your conversation, and, and uh, I'm glad that I was chatting with you. So I would love for you to talk about what you do with the zoo, the Philadelphia Zoo, because some of the things you were saying are truly a great way to look at not just the importance of your position as a contractor, but also the fact that it's not peop just people you're having to deal with. You're building a home for a very large animal, and some of them with the strength and power that, I mean, you have to have something that obviously is going to keep them sure. um, behind, you know, closed doors, but in a safe Right, and it, well, safe for them and also safe for the visitors that would go to the And the zoo. vets. Exactly. So let's hear about that because I, I want to hear, you know, because what goes through your mind when they're ask, asking you to build these things? Well, there, there's, I, I will tell you, there have been several jobs at the zoo that um, when they came to us with the idea and they put the team together, you kind of think to yourself, how in the world are we going to do that? Um, I would think the most interesting um, jobs we've done at the Philadelphia Zoo have to do with uh, elevated exhibits or elevated trails for the different animals at the zoo. Uh, the Philadelphia Zoo is the oldest zoo in the country. Um, I forget when it was founded, but it's landlocked. Many zoos that you go to in our country, they've got expanses of land where they can actually, if they want to do an African safari, they've got five acres that they can expand their zoo and recreate uh, to the best of their ability, an African safari or an African savanna. Uh, Philadelphia Zoo can't do that because they're landlocked between a railroad on one side and a highway on the other side. So what they came up with um, was an idea of um, actually expanding upwards and making a different experience for the animals and also the visitors to the zoo by instead of putting the animals on the ground and having the visitors either elevated looking down on the animals or at the same level put the animals up in elevated trails um, and we've done numerous trails for uh, the, the Philadelphia Zoo's large cats for their lemur and small uh, monkey population um, and even orangutans and gorillas are in elevated trails at the Philadelphia Zoo uh, so it's, it's very interesting work from the standpoint of executing the work, different materials that you wouldn't do if you were building a hospital, if you were building a, a university lab or something along those lines. And uh, it, it was a very interesting experience because it's, it's somewhat once-in-a-lifetime type experiences because you're, you're not going to do this very often. No, so so you have to work with, I mean, how do you know what to build? You must be working with somebody yes. that's going to tell you what is needed. So Well, the zoo, um, the zoo world uh, has different designers and exhibit planners uh, that actually do this for a living. Are um, they vets? Are they animal people? I mean, A what? lot of them are animal people who have come from the zoo side um, and have gotten into exhibit building. Um, there's collaboration with the vets at the different zoos about um, what the exhibits, what the material in the exhibits can be. 
Uh, for instance, uh, the the Philadelphia Zoo Big Cat Crossing, where they you put a tiger 14 feet in the air, and you need a platform that for the tiger to walk on. It can't be slippery. It can't be metal if the sun beats down on it. You know how hot's it going to get? So these are all things that go into. These are all decisions that go into what those materials actually have to be. The other thing is you want the sight lines to be good so you can see the animals. So the animals can see the visitor, the visitor can see the animals. So there's a lot of collaboration that go in with the designers and also different specialty contractors throughout the country that have done this before that um, actually pick the material to execute the work. We, we really execute the work in collaboration with their design. but we are part of the design process where there are certain things that um, um, a designer may say, hey, we'd like to do this, that, and the other thing, but it's really either not feasible uh, monetarily or it just can't be built. So we don't like to say no, but there are times where you have to say, well, we may want to change the design a little bit. And did you have to do any of the changing of design any? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That... About the fill at the zoo. Oh yeah, definitely. There's, there's definitely changes on the fly. Um, the one, the one job specifically I remember nice. wasn't an animal project, but um, the zoo has a tethered balloon that people can go up and ride a helium balloon. I think it goes 400 feet above the city. Uh, I see quite a smile on your face, it's babe. A, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a really, again, there's a couple of these in the country, but it's a unique experience. And it's, again, it's just something that the zoo provides to their visitors as an experience, not only with the animals, but you can kind of see the city. Uh, when you go to the zoo, um, but we were awarded the project and we were given uh, 14 weeks to build the job. And it was probably a 20 to 24 week job. Um, and the zoo basically said, we only have this amount of money to spend. However, your bid was about $250,000 more than we have to spend. And we actually had to build it and find a way to save $250,000 while we build it in a ridiculously short time period. Um, but again, through collaboration with the designers, through the subcontractors, uh, we got it done and they were happy. Well, that's good. So it, is it still there? Oh yeah. Um, the Philadelphia Zoo still has a tethered balloon. Um, we thought a couple years ago that they were actually going to get rid of it because it was on lease, but, uh, it is still there. So visitors can still what go around it. What do you mean by it? it was on lease? Wasn't uh, it? No, actually they didn't buy the balloon. They, they built the structure, um, and had the infrastructure in place to accept the balloon, uh, but the balloon was actually leased from a company out of Britain. Um, oh, so it came over okay. and the zoo actually leased the balloon rather than own the balloon. But, uh, oh, okay. And they're still leasing it now. Well, so if, they, if the balloon is removed, they can certainly put something else in the structure. No. Well, hopefully they'll call us and uh, have us change it around and maybe put an animal exhibit in it. So, um, but yeah, right now it, it, oh. it's, it's kind of built for a balloon, so they would have to actually uh, change their program and mm. uh, come up with a major construction project to change it around. Okay, and so when you were working with them with the balloon structure, did you need to give them any sort of break because they're <clears throat> the zoo? <laughs> did you help them since they couldn't afford it? Or well, you, because you said no, you no, came no, upon no. a happy medium, so... Well, actually... Not to sp I'll spare you all the details, but there was a, a large curved concrete wall that was part of the original design. It's about 14, 15 foot high. 
And one of the subcontractors and our estimator actually came up with the idea of rather than forming that curved wall in concrete, which is very expensive and very time consuming, let's let's look at a, a hardscape or a, a brick and block uh, product. Oh, okay, so that's what you meant so by we, the compromise. Yeah, so basically okay, collaborating. we call that value engineering in the con, uh, construction industry, uh, working with owners to basically value engineer, uh, give them the same project but maybe use different materials along the way. Okay. Um, so yeah, we do that a lot. Because right. uh, everybody's very mindful of the dollar. Anymore. Yes, yeah. are we? Okay, so then mm -hmm. now let's go to the vets. You were, you need to work with some of the vets. Well, actually we built the zoo's animal hospital. Okay. So uh, many zoos now are required by uh, the zoo association. Uh, zoos are actually um, uh, regulated, I guess. Uh, by uh, a national organization and in order to have a certain amount of species a zoo needs to have their own functioning animal hospital on-site they, they can't use an off-site animal hospital so when we built the animal uh, zoo at the Philadelphia Zoo uh, or the animal hospital forgive me um, there was the vet who actually had to collaborate with us and actually had to tell us for instance an exam room for a gorilla you know, how are we going to build an exam room for the gorilla? How to so, well, <laughs> the concrete, the concrete walls were probably 12 inches thick. Oh and my the, gosh. And the gauge on the doors were probably 3 sixteenths to a half inch thick steel. Oh and the latching gosh. system was all very, very specific. Because if you get the, that animal with that force banging on that door, uh, you know, the, obviously the, the door needs to hold the, the gorilla or the, uh, you know, the walls need to hold the gorilla. Uh, so there was a lot of um, very unique, you know, once in a lifetime uh, construction decisions and construction um, details uh, that we experienced when we were building the animals a hospital at the Philadelphia Zoo. But um, yeah, it was a real neat experience. Well, it, it, I, I liked hearing... You know, that's why I came over and started talking to you because I, I was interested because what you were saying, you weren't just talking about it like, ah, you know, we had to do this and that. You were talking about it with, with I don't know, a kind heart that you were really trying oh, sure. to build something safe for the animals, but also for the people that are there. And you made a comment before that this is the place where the animals are going to live the rest of their life, mm -hmm. mostly, unless they're sure. going to be, um, you know, sent to the zoo, but... Um, that you want to make it the best that it oh, can sure. be, and I really like that. You well, know that that you had that in your mind. Well, you it's it, and it's a lot different. I mean, we we do hospital work as well, and there's a certain, you know, I guess there's a certain fulfillment about what we do that, you know, we put the latest greatest MRI machine in, and that's going to help, you know, hospitals treat, you know, humans, and obviously that's very very important. Um, but I guess I do have a kind heart for animals, and uh, it, it was really, really an interesting experience. Well, it's experience. different. It's not the same. I mean, the animals are right there. Oh, sure. You yeah, are having right. to build while they are there. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're building a hospital, you don't have people sitting inside their beds while you're no. building the hospital. Well, actually, uh, so. we used to, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of uh, regulation on that now as, uh, as far yeah. as uh, dust containment and, uh, you know, infection control. Yeah. Uh, so that's come a long way as well. But... It was, um, you're right, I mean, when you're working with animals that you don't have the opportunity to see, you know, in the wild. I mean, literally, I was um, a couple 
there, there was a fence. I remember uh, the one job in particular, the Big Cat Crossing. Uh, I was actually on the job, and there was a, a chain link fence, and then there was a stockade fence. And as I walked back and forth on the job, I could tell there was an animal on the other side of that fence. And I didn't know what the animal was uh -huh. until I walked out and saw there was a 400-pound tiger that as I walked back and forth on the job site, that tiger was actually tracking me <laughs> on the other side of that fence. Now, I don't know that I would have been that comfortable had I known that that tiger had been right there, but uh, that's something I'll never have the opportunity to do again. So. No. No. Did you feel like you made any connections? Uh, maybe not connections, but... Um, well... I, I will say the foreman did, the, the, the fellow that was on the job every day, I mean, he actually got to know the, the habits of the animals. And in fact, he said that he knew that when he walked in this one section of the exhibit that he was being tracked by the, uh, the lines that were, you know, another exhibit over, but he could tell that they were watching. The, the one interesting thing I saw uh, when we think about human interaction with animals, um, the way the zookeepers interacted, and I got to witness some of that, um, the way the zookeepers interacted with, you know, for instance, the, um, the tigers. When you open an exhibit like this, the animal is obviously going to be a little bit hesitant because they don't know, uh, especially if they're older animals. But to watch a zookeeper walk under this path and basically reassure that tiger that it was okay and just watch the tiger follow the zookeeper and um, you know, come across that path. That was really, really interesting to see. Uh, the orangutans, when we did the orangutan exhibit, there was a very young male orangutan who was uninhibited. He just went into the exhibit and started running around. <laughs> but we actually went underneath the exhibit. And uh, in order to get us out of there, he didn't want us there. Uh, that oh. orangutan actually did urinate on the keeper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> missed me. But, like, and the keeper looked up, knew exactly what that adolescent orangutan was doing, and just had a few choice words for the orangutan, and then we cleared out. But there was that interaction between the zookeepers and the animals. Uh, and I just thought that was a really cool thing to see. <laughs> that really that cool would thing. be a very neat experience. Yeah, it was. Because um, in a way you shadowed it, um, not oh, yeah. you know because you were there, and we got to know the zookeepers, and you know through again they would attend job meetings and they would tell us about the animals and how the animals were reacting even to the, to the construction, because a lot of times when we were doing the construction, the animals were inconvenienced because they couldn't go in their yard. So, you know, the zookeepers had to make sure that they were keeping constant watch on the animals to make sure that they weren't overly stressed. Um, some of the jobs we had to cut concrete or jackhammer concrete, the noise would bother the animals. So we had to, you know, figure out ways to um, calm the animals down, basically. And it may have been, you know, maybe changing the way that we broke up that concrete or when we did it or how we did it. I like that because that's your... your positive action, forming your positive achievement in a greater scale. Because when we think of construction, we just get it done. You need to just oh, get yeah. it done. Yeah. But the fact that you thought about it and worked with the folks there at the oh, zoo. Oh, absolutely. And they're great folks. I mean, they just their, their commitment and their devotion to the animals. It's, uh, 
it's a great place to work. I mean, it's uh, probably been in my 30 years doing what I'm doing. Uh, it's probably the highlight. And they're just such unique jobs. And they're just such caring people. And it was, uh, it's been a great experience. So they had quite an imprint. They made an imprint on you. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and so your positive imprint actually is all over the zoo. because yeah, I, would, I would hope so. I would, well, I would hope so. I think it is after chit-chatting <laughs> with you and hearing about the, That's great. the yeah. kind heart that you have for them. And, and just, you know, listeners were thrilled to hear that you put a positive effort toward, like what you're saying, not doing the concrete during times when it did bother the animals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. So, well, I'm glad that I was <laughs> eavesdropping here and, and uh, you should probably go and enjoy your Christmas All right, party. I, think I will. <laughs> but it was, it was super nice. And, and uh, is there anything else that you wanted no. to, to add? But thank you so much for joining us here. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, so thank you again, Ray. Well, you're listening to Your Positive Imprint, where every imprint means something to someone. Head over to my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, and sign up for email updates and read more about me and the show. Music by Chris Knoll. Don't forget to leave a positive review. I so much appreciate it. And please hit that positive button and subscribe to this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.? Subscribe now.